0: Hey, we're back. This is Doug Fletcher. Uh, the second part of our OSHA shorts. I'm here with Jim Steele and Mark McClure. We're taking a few minutes to talk about some of the most frequently cited standards, uh, some of the things we see repeatedly. Jim, you mentioned in our last segment, uh, most of these are driven by the fact that OSHA focuses on these things. They are based, they are emphasis programs, they are protocol. Here in the Omaha area office, if they do a general industry inspection, they always look at hazard communication, lockout, tagout, powered industrial trucks, that's part of every inspection. And so they get a lot of of visibility and a lot of citations result from that. So let's talk a little bit about lockout, tagout. Number two on the list, at least for today's discussion, um, lockout, tagout gets cited all the time. Uh, Here are the things that OSHA tends to cite most frequently, the lack of specific procedures, which you could probably Mm-hmm. Guess that was going to be the case. training periodic inspections uh program you know not having a written program, and the basic elements of a program are the procedures, the training and the periodic inspections, but we also need to refer to things like shift changes or group lockouts or lock removal. Those things all need to be in your program as well, at least some consideration for those things um, so when you when i when I say lockout tag out, what comes to mind for you guys?
1: The, the one that I see the biggest that, that I, I guess I'd see as the citation is uh, we never train the people through the standard. In other words, you just brought up all these other points. I may know and understand how I lock out my machine. But I don't remember how we're going to do a cross shift or a group lockout. And nobody's ever came and inspected me to find that out. Mm-hmm. That's I've, a I've, good point. I've had a guy stand here and watch me apply a lock and verify no power and take my lock off and you know repeat the steps backwards. But nobody's ever taken me to the NYX machine or to the group lockout situation or what would I do if I had to leave my lock on after hours or anything like that? That's a really good point, man. You, you
0: are absolutely right. When we think of periodic inspections, we typically review the application of that that machine-specific procedure, and that's it. That's a really good That's a really good catch, Mark.
2: So we have a thing for the group lockout. The big problem that we had with that is that a person leaves their lock on it, they leave the shift, and now... Mm-hmm. They don't, they, maybe they don't come back. They're sick, whatever. Uh, they don't know the state of the machine. Is this person still exposed? You have to go through this big process to take the lock off. And we have a process, kind of a checklist where they initial, have to initial off. The manager has the key. It's on a clipboard. There's a checklist of things they have to go through before they can remove the lock with the master key. And that happens a lot. So one of the things we did is we have what's called an out-of-service lock. And maintenance has that. And they all have – it's a uniform key. So there's one key that opens all the out-of-service locks. Maintenance has those keys. And any they lock something out and they're going to leave it locked out overnight, but no one's exposed, it only needs to be locked out because the machine's not ready to run.
0: Not being worked on. It's not the being ride. worked
2: on. So they'll put the out-of-service lock on it and with a note. It's got a tag, and they're supposed to write on there you know, what the current state of that machine is waiting on this valve to come in or whatever, so that it's not a person's lock that's on there. Mm-hmm. It's just not protecting someone's life. It's only protecting the machine from in it right. really being run. And so people can just come in and if I want to work on the machine I can just go put my lock on there and on the same hasp and lock it out and go do some things I want to do and take my lock off and somebody else comes along and does theirs meanwhile the machine's never going to run until it's ready uh, and the you know the final parts put on
0: Interesting. I think that's a I think that is a common problem man that that gap period right. where second shift has finished and there's going to be an 8 hour period until first shift comes back on and what do we do with our our equipment that is down at the moment under those circumstances, and right. that, that has become a bit of a challenge. I like I like that yeah, idea. It's
2: called out of service lock. It's a different color. Ours mm-hmm. is silver. So our maintenance has re, uh, red locks, and our operations has yellow locks. And mm-hmm. if it's a contractor and they don't have their own lock, we give them a green lock. And so we know kind of kind of mm-hmm. who has it. They have mm-hmm. their names on them. But if it doesn't, if it's not yet red, yellow, green, if it's a silver lock, we know well that's just out of service. That machine, okay, you know, missing a part or something.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Interesting. The other One of the other uh, examples I'll give of things I see a lot of, especially the smaller manufacturers, we've written a program, we've written a few specific procedures, we've even got a lockout station, and it's in our MCC next to where 90% of our electrical lockout points are. But I have nothing out here for my air, my liquids, all of this in the lines. And so every time I have to run upstairs, we get it, start getting away from our program. I'm not applying a lock up there, so I'm not putting the stuff in the lockout log. I'm getting a lock. I'm coming down. I'm locking out this valve. And then if I get back to putting the note in upstairs in that log, and pretty soon we get away from the program because, again, we're not auditing and inspecting it continuously. We're maybe thinking every six months I'm going to go check somebody as they apply a lock. Mm-hmm. And we miss the fact that we've made some procedures here that might make it difficult to do something quickly, um, but we don't ever hold anybody accountable to it, and it just becomes such a drift from mm-hmm. your program that, that again, you're, you're not following what you've written down and put in place. Have you seen a system that you do like to address that kind of a thing? I mean, obviously, it's a convenience issue to some extent. I, I think Jim will tell you that the, just what he was describing with the colors is you start in issuing locks to the individual so they're readily available to them, mm-hmm. And then keep your program in that line. Um, and then, are are you documenting every lockout? And is there a reason to document it? That that's always a challenge that I you know I ask people. And Jim, you probably can tell us about you know there's things that you're doing in maintenance or planning or when you have a machine out of duty or out of service that you're doing. Um, but just for me to have to lock for thirty seconds to a minute to make an adjustment. I probably don't need that recorded in a log. Right. I, I see lots of times. I've seen a couple of logs. I just had a company that I did three of their sites, and there was like twenty five listings in the log book, and then nothing for the last two years. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Yeah. If I my philosophy on safety is you have to make it as easy and convenient as possible, and move whatever obstructions, and it, don't add anything to it that the person's going to have to do that isn't really necessary. Um, particularly if it's, it's like well I want to be able to check that they did it okay well that's mine you know if, yes. the more of that I do and I put on them to try to do the more chances I'm setting them up for failure and frustration Absolutely. and mm-hmm. you know and if they're gonna if you're gonna have a part of a program that's going to be hard to comply with uh, then then you're gonna have to really if it it should be really really important if it's going to be hard. Because if it's not, then you're gonna you're gonna skip it. They're gonna skip it. Then they're gonna start thinking the important stuff is not important too. I would agree. So yeah. So make I, it simple, very
0: simple. If, if you put so many constraints on someone, uh, it becomes burdensome, and then it and then it becomes a problem, and then we start missing, skipping things. Or, and yeah. I agree. I mean, there are times where we have to. I mean, that's ultimately, it has to be somewhat constrictive. Right. Uh, but I mean, I think we we don't want to completely eliminate. You know, problem solving and decision right. making from the employees. I yeah, mean, I know that, I like gosh, that. we've all got a few employees that were a little bit reluctant to give too much authority to. But on the other hand, if we make it too um, constrained, they're either not going to follow it or going to be unable to follow well, you have it. I mean, to
2: beat them into submission. And then, yeah, then it becomes just, you're becoming this bad guy, good guy. Right. Thing and, you know, yeah. I, I think, think and,
0: people um, need to appreciate that convenience, ease, mm-hmm. simplicity. Uh, are really critical to making you know, this prime, work.
2: if up you, front, if you're, as you're setting it up, is get the person that has to do the lockout lock involved in the process and have him describe what it's going to be. And I, I really try to take myself out of prescribing how they're going to do it. I just say my job is to make sure it at, le- at least meets the minimum OSHA standard and if there's not an OSHA standard that applies, that it, at least to my satisfaction, addresses the hazard. And so I would be talking to you, and I'd say, Doug, let's, you know, we need to set up this lockout thing. We need to make sure that when you're running this machine, no one else could turn that machine on without you knowing it mm-hmm, first. Mm-hmm. And I want to do it with a lock because that's required. But uh, how would you go about doing that? What would be the most convenient way? And then we would have a conversation about that. We would come up with it. And then we would, die. as long as it met the standard and it did it and it was your way and it's simple and it works, and maybe get a group of guys, if several people are going to have to do it, you all work it out, take that little time up front, and then it's a lot less hassle later to enforce it because that's what they came up with. And also to be open to change. One of the things that I first, the first thing I look at when I find someone in violation is to ask them why. What's going on? Why did you think that was necessary? And if I find out that something's a pain and we could find a simpler way to do it, then I'm really quick to make that change if I can. If we can control the hazard but do it a simpler way, then I'm all about that. And and I, and I, I hope that the people that work with me, know that that I'm open to that. Mm-hmm. So,
0: I, I, that's a great point, man. I think the, these programs are never finished. They're always evolving. We're always looking for better, more efficient ways, more effective ways to do these things. So. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great comment, actually. And, and involving the employees in some of the decision-making, the operators, the maintenance. And, you know, we don't want to make their lives more difficult by just doing things without their input. So I, I think that's a great I comment. I'd
2: love to tell them that if you think it's bad now, let me fix it. <laughs> that's, that's right. right. Exactly. It's <laughs> a good comment.
0: Any any parting shots on no, lockout tag? I I'm got right. to
1: agree.
2: That's, that's right
1: where you want to be. The easier we can make this, the easier it's yeah. going to be to keep it in place.
0: For all things safety, or working safely, I should say. I do <laughs> want to throw out we we're out of time and the buzzer is about to go off. Um, I do want to make the comment that the compliance directive for lockout tagout, uh, if you're not familiar with those, OSHA publishes compliance documents that, that um, give direction on how to comply with these regulations. There is a compliance directive for lockout tag out. It's unfortunately I know it by from memory, it's 2 Uh go on the go on the ocean That's website. it's pathetic. Go, it is pathetic. pathetic. <laughs> Google this thing. But this is an this is an incredibly valuable document. Um some of the compliance directives don't give you a lot of help, but this one really helps. So, if you have questions about lockout, tagout, if you're struggling with understanding some of these con- periodic inspections, for example, if you're not quite sure what a periodic inspection should be, go to the compliance directive. It gives great examples. And I, I love what you, your comment, Mark, about... It's not just about applying the lock and verifying that you've de-energized this piece of equipment. There's a lot more to the program right. than that. So when we do our periodic inspections I think that we need to include those other elements to make sure we're all tracking on the same page. Uh, that was fantastic. We're gonna have to Fine. maybe we're gonna have to go to 15 minutes at some point because uh, you know this is really quick and short but thank you guys. Um, I hope that helped everybody and uh, we'll be back soon. Uh, Parkville Media Production.